As a leader in advanced HVAC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness, with a focus on personal comfort and prosperous communities. Mitsubishi offers a variety of indoor options, including high-wall floor mount, duct handlers, and extremely popular one-way ceiling cassette. Climate systems are great for a single room or the entire home, providing 100% capacity to minus 5 degrees. A full range of control options including Wi-Fi, touchscreen, and thermostats, and simple remotes are available to meet every customer's needs. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. For more information, go to MitsubishiComfort.com. small business performance coach, author, and professional speaker. In 2018, he sold the company he owned for nearly 20 years to three of his employees. He now teaches small business owners how to create a freedom-focused business through articles, a podcast, masterclasses, and online courses. You can learn more about Darren at darrenwascheck.com. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Welcome to Mark Madison on Books and People. This morning, my guest today is Darren, and I'm going to mispronounce your name, I'm sure, Washjack? Perfect, Mark. That's a that's a tough one, man. I... <laughs> but you nailed it. <laughs> How are you this morning? I'm doing fantastic here in uh, in, in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. Our, our temperatures are down to only about 102 today, so it's a nice day. <laughs> Ooh, nice and cool. Did you know that 80% of conversations start out uh, asking about the weather? Yeah, I've, that's a good statistic and doesn't surprise me at all, Mark. <laughs> and I think 67% of all uh, statistics are made up on the spot. So I don't know if that's true or not. But. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> so how did we meet? We we met, Mark, uh, when Sharon Bone Steele, a mutual friend at Salt River Project, was putting together a basically a, a seminar to train a couple of days of seminars to train local air conditioning contractors on how to run their business better. And you've worked with Sharon over time, if I'm not mistaken, Mark, for some time now. Yes. And um, so you were invited and you kind of uh, led off. And uh, and then I uh, also had a portion because I'm doing coaching for small business owners, uh, focusing on operational stuff. Um, and yeah, I I uh, think you and I ultimately went and got some some lunch together or 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 whatnot, and then also took you to a Suns game, uh, knowing that you're such a huge uh, sports fanatic, let alone basketball. So that was a lot of fun. That was, you know, Jamal Crawford was on that team, the Seattleite, yep. and uh, they they weren't doing all that well then. That was what four five years ago. Well, actually, Mark, if you'll remember, that was the first season that uh, uh, Aiton, our center, he had just been drafted number one. Yes. So this was the opening. This was the first game of the uh, of the season that uh, very fortunate. I happened to have the game available and and while you were in town and and uh, it was super fun to be able to do that. But, yeah, the Suns ended up not doing well that season, but they won that night. If you'll remember, Mark, it was a fun game. I do. And I had a ton of fun. It was it was fun to watch you because you're as big a basketball enthusiast as I am. Now, you're going to smile. Uh, last month, my guest was Tom Ben Arsdale. 
Oh, is that right? I think you might have uh, you might have tipped me off that that was coming. But that's uh, yeah. In fact, I remember as a a kid because my dad uh, he uh, was involved in sports medicine. Um, he did a lot of creams and topical uh, things for people that had sore joints. Uh, he actually created uh, the product Flexol 454 that a lot of the athletes used is the substitute to Ben Gay. But my dad, he provided vitamins to the Phoenix Sun. So uh, I remember as a kid, and I even have a black and white picture, Mark, of a, of a picture back in the 19, must have been like the late 70s, early 80s with myself and uh, one of the Van Arsdales, I think it was, I think it was uh, uh, Dick Van Arsdale. Um, and uh, so I met him as a kid because through my dad, and that's neat that you had him on the show. Oh yeah. And I, when I come back down to uh, Phoenix in October, I think he and I are going to go, uh, go out to uh, Churchill's and have a cigar at that uh, cigar bar there. Wonderful. And for you who, and now you're going to have to share with us how you got to know, uh, or at least meet and have him part of your show, Mark. Well, uh, my friend, my friend Steve, who lives in Cave Creek, sends me his book via Amazon, and there was no note, so I had no idea who it was from. And of course, I devoured it because he was one of my heroes as a kid. You know, one of the he and his brother uh, Dick and Tom were that were twins in the NBA, and yep. and that was very unusual at the time. I don't I don't know if they were the first, but certainly. Uh, as a kid, I was just, I was in love with the way they played. So I called Steve and I said, did you, did you send me a book about Van Arsdale? He goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so after I read the book, I just, I reached out. Uh, I went online and I, turns out that he and his brother have a, an art gallery in Phoenix. Yep. And so I just called him. I called the number that was on the website and he answered the phone and I told him who I was and that I was a big fan and would he ever consider, you know, being a guest? I loved his book. So yeah, that's how that happened. And he is just a really gracious fellow. And he's, that's a show that's coming up for you, Mark, or one that you already recorded? Yeah, I think Jason's, that's probably been posted. I haven't looked, but uh, yeah, that was a few weeks ago. So yeah, he's a class act. And, yeah. uh, and I knew you'd get a kick out of that. So I had to bring it up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Good now, guy. Now, you don't just work with contractors. Tell us about your business. How did you get started doing what you do? Um, interestingly, I sold my business back in 2018 working with home builders, which is why I knew uh, Sharon Bonesteel, because I worked with her through the utilities, um, doing energy efficiency uh, design and construction. So right. I focused on energy efficiency for home builders. And in particular, the EPA's Energy Star program. So, Mark, I spent 19 years with my own company. And uh, the story I tell, because now I'm doing a lot of, as I mentioned, uh, business coaching for small business owners. Um, uh, the story basically is that for the first 15 years, I struggled like every other small business owner out there. Uh, you know, putting in long hours, getting burned out, tried to sell the company a couple of times, tried really hard to sell it in 20. Uh, in, in 2015, and uh, went through uh, several uh, potential buyers, all to realize that uh, the company was not saleable. So uh, I revamped everything and had a, a team of about 15 employees. Uh, one year later, I think maybe three of those or four of those employees were still part of my team because I did a complete revamp. 
which we, we may talk about kind of that if you if you care to a little bit more. Yes, because um, I, I think some listeners are going to be interested in, uh, in in what they need to do to sell their business. So tell us a little bit about that as well. Well, um, so what I did starting in January, well, basically in December of 2015, is I let I let go my right hand person who had been with me for 10 years, my most senior person. And it was one of the hardest things that I ever did in business. But I knew that if since I couldn't sell the business, I was all back in and I was going to dust off all the stuff that I had been avoiding doing for years and years and years. Uh, and I was not actually do it this time. And I knew that this one person that worked for me was not on board for that. And so it was one of the hardest meetings I ever had. Uh, a person that was not only a, uh, uh, worked for me, worked with me, was a was a, a longstanding friend. Um, so I had to let her go, but I didn't let her go immediately. I gave her a bit of a golden parachute to stick around for a while. But nonetheless, um, I was taking things off the shelf, like putting in place core values. What do I stand for? What do I what do I represent? What do I believe in? Putting in place a vision so that the place that I wanted to go with the company wasn't just stuck in my head, but it was available to and for the benefit of the people on my team. And right. uh creating a whole new process of hiring mark that allowed me to get people on my team that were in alignment uh that were that were engaged uh that were shared part values of, yes exactly shared my values and i built a system very specific to that which i can elaborate a little bit more on in a little bit if you want me to but using that process i basically uh created a leadership team that i didn't have before and a leadership team of the key individuals on my uh, in my company that helped me to run the company so that i didn't feel like i was running it all by myself they were part of the decision the decisions they were getting buy in and interestingly enough uh that about uh well about a year in as we were working as a leadership team continuing to build the company make it better and better better than it had ever been before mark uh, mm. I kept saying to them, look, I just went through a process of trying to sell the company to outside people. The problem with that is that if I hire, if I go and I try and sell to an outside a buyer, they will come in and they will change the culture. Inevitably, they don't have our right. culture that we built together. And so what happens is, is that I've also, as part of my revamp, I also made sure that the clients, Mark, that I hired, that I hired, that I recruited and that I did work for, that they aligned with my core values. And mm -hmm. I write an article in my blog, Mark, about how uh, when it comes to core values, 20% uh, of your clients will eat up 80% of your time, right? The old 80-20 rule. And if you got rid of those 20% that suck up 80% of your time, now all of a sudden you've got more time and you're running more efficiently and uh, everything grows and is more profitable. Right. So, but if I bring in somebody from outside to buy my company, all the all those uh, clients that were really aligned very well with me, they're going to go, well, you know, we're, we, this isn't what we signed up for. And all of a sudden the, this, the, the, the clients start to leave. And that's what happens in a lot of businesses is that when uh, either the owner is too involved and if you take the owner out of the equation, the company falls apart because they're too dependent on the owner. Right. Um, what I did then is I said to my my team, my leadership team, I said, in my best case scenario, you guys buy me out because then everything continues that we built together. Plus, I'd love for you to be entrepreneurs like I've benefited from over all these years. I'd love for that to happen. And interestingly enough, uh, 
two years in, 18 months in, Mark, actually, 18 months into my transition, brand new team, pretty much a brand new team, leadership uh, leadership team in place. Three of my uh, leader, my employees, my, my person that did my bookkeeping, the guy that ran all my field operations, and his wife, actually, that ran all of the office uh, back-end technical stuff. The three of them said, Darren, you keep talking about buying you out. We want to buy you out. <laughs> like, mm. all right. And I thought they'd get cold feet, but but uh, four months later, uh, we got an attorney. We got an attorneys. They drew up drew the the. It wasn't my first rodeo on this particular issue. So we put together the documents, the sale documents. I thought they would uh, get cold feet, um, but they closed. They were itching to get me out of there and take over ship because they were excited about being entrepreneurs. But the key was that I had empowered them to one. Uh, make decisions. How do you make decisions? How do you run a company? How do you base everything on a culture that is shared between you and everybody else that's involved? And how do you make sure that the vision is something that everybody's bought into? Right. And so they bought me out. And then I started doing uh, business coaching after that, as well as doing continuing to do training work for uh, the home builders in, in another way. Did you end up leaving some money on the table uh, in exchange for, you know, the company culture staying intact? That is an incredibly perceptive question, Mark. I couldn't have planted that better because I was actually going to say something about that. Well, in full disclosure, we had no preparation for this <laughs> conversation, right? That's right. It We're, just uh, means I listen so incredibly well and I'm humble. Yeah, well, your uh, your your question was spot on, Mark. <laughs> because what happened is uh, is that I actually could have sold the company for about ten, maybe probably ten or fifteen percent more than I ultimately sold it to them. Right. But and I said that to them because I because when I I can't, they basically I said make me an offer. They made an offer. It was low. I already knew what I wanted, and I said okay. I said this is basically what I'll sell the company for, and you can afford this. Because I carried the note, I didn't. They didn't need outside. They actually did go get a down payment, which I required, which is a hundred grand. But they ultimately, I carried the rest of the of the sale in a note over three and a half years. Mm. And with the idea, the company would come back to me, of course, if they defaulted. I did not want the company back, so I had to make sure that I built a deal so they could afford it. If they right. just kept doing what we were doing, which they did. Um, and so, Mark, I sold it to them, and they said to me, "Why, Darren?" It, because they wanted to kind of argue with me about the price. And I said, look, I'm going to sell it to you for X. I could have sold it. I could sell it for a little bit more, but I want to sell. And, and one of the, you know, uh, Preston, he said to me, he said, Darren, well, why, why are you selling this for less than? And I said, because uh, I know that um, we can continue the culture and the, and it's going to have more opportunity for success. And I'll admit this is without putting fluff on it. I was being altruistic. I wanted right. you guys to benefit as people like I did as being a business owner. So it was a little altruistic. I said, look, I want you guys to be uh, entrepreneurs like I was. And so this is your best chance. I said, think about it as employees. You could either go out and start from scratch and hope it all works, but you're buying a going concern. Right. I'm going to finance it and I'm going to be free. <laughs> And you guys are going to now have the benefits that I had. So probably longer answer than you wanted. And I don't know if I ultimately no, the answer. But... It's a great answer because I got a feeling that some people listening to this are, are wondering, you know, which direction should they take? Should it be an outside person or should they sell it to, to the employees? 
I'm working next uh, month with a company in Nebraska. That's exactly what they did. He said, yep. he, the owner said to me, he says, look, I, I know I left a lot of money on the table, but I wanted to maintain the culture. Absolutely. Because and it'll fall apart. more importantly, you know, a, a, a legacy, a shade tree that he got to sit under. Absolutely. And again, I knew, I knew what I needed to get out of the deal. And I pretty much put the financial deal together and said, this is what we should do. This is what I'm willing to do, actually. Right. And it was a good deal for them. And three and a half years, they made every payment, Mark. Um, and three and a half years later, they actually made one extra payment because they forgot to turn off the auto pay to me. So I was and and I got a call from the accounting person. Oops, I'm sorry. And I gave them back their last payment, even though that was a little bit uh, hard. I would love to kept that. But uh, I gave them back their last payment. It was but it was also built on trust and and, um, uh, you know, honesty, which, by the way, was one of our was which is one of and still is one of my core values is, you know, right. honesty and trust. And I had surrounded my people that were that were built on that, that and I wouldn't have them part of my team unless they were. And we lost people uh, that were part of the team when we established very clearly what our core values were, trust, trust and honesty as a core value. And we had some people that gulped a little hard about that, believe it or not. I'm sure every company's got a few people that don't pass that litmus test. Well, guess what? They found their way out the door. I didn't even have to let them go, Mark, because they started to realize that when we make core values a central part of our of our hiring process, of our, our employee review process, our monthly meeting process, you can't get away from them and you can't hide. And right. all of a sudden, when those are in your face constantly, well, one, you're going to do them, you're going to live them, or else you're going to get out of town, which is what we had a few people do. I think it was Tom Jefferson said, in matters of style, swim with the current, in matters of principle, stand like a rock. <laughs> they do. They really and do. And, you know, I I think the first three or four years of marriage, my wife said to me one day, I, I she asked me a question and I didn't tell her the truth. And she goes, you're not telling me the truth, are you? And I went, no. <laughs> and she said, why did you lie? I said, because I'm a guy. You know? And then she said, <laughs> if you tell go? the truth, she said, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said. And I thought, dang it, I'm working way too hard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it, it's actually easier, right? Yeah. It, you don't have to remember easier. what you said. Yeah. Well, and you got to pattern that for your employees. So many, so much of core values, Mark, are, you know, they're all feel goods. They're, they're, you know, they, they come out of a strategic planning process. Usually if you've got a coach that puts you through strategic planning, one of the things they say right. is, Hey, let's get our core value. And then you, you put them in a nice frame and you hang them on the wall in the lobby of your office and everybody ignores them as they walk by. Oh, that's nice. Or you put them in the manual, they sign off on them and as they're hiring documentation, but then they're stuck in the binder to collect dust. And that's just absolutely leaving an opportunity on the table. And I talk again and again and again about two absolute core principles that I put in place when I did a revamp. And now I is an essential part of what I call freedom focused for business owners. Right. You've got to put your core values in place and then you use them, you live them, but home, but owners, business owners that put core values in place that, that are not real, that are not, that sound good, but they don't actually resonate or not lived by that owner, man, that's the worst thing because then the employees see you. Oh, you said that uh, honesty, integrity was an important thing, yet you're over here doing stuff that's a little shady. That sounds good, but that's not how you live. And of course, that calls into question all the core values because, you know, right. it's, it's it's that principle, Mark, that we all have heard. You know, it's one oh crap undoes nine attaboys, right? And that's what happens in that instance as well. Well, it's inauthentic, isn't it? 
And when the words on the wall match the meaning in the hall, the, the behavior in the hall, uh, then you have alignment. I, I, you're a poet. I'm going to steal that from you, Mark. When the when the well, you when better give me credit the, the first two times. Yeah, the third time it's yours. Okay, yeah. gotcha. <laughs> well, and and I learned that from a company I worked with. They had 31 operating principles that they believed in, and they had, of course, they had them written down and they posted on the wall everywhere. But they begin once a week. They would have a meeting, and they would begin a meeting with one of their core values, and they would discuss it they would say it out loud then discuss what that means in terms of application and behavioral changes and for five or ten minutes and then they then they'd start the meeting and that's a great way to go there's a problem with that story though mark can i share with you the, the observation sure there's no way that you can make 31 principles real palatable and implementable for any organization i thought I it was a lot to Five to seven, Mark, and I like five better than seven because that way people should be able to tell you what are your core values. And right. I'm sure that those 31 boil down to five at the end of the day. Yeah, um, there was and, duplication, sure. And 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 what I do when I'm working with a client to develop the core values, and by the way, your listeners can go to my website and go to resources and get a free um, uh, core values discovery uh, um I guess you'd call it a download, a document. They can go sure. and get that right now. And you can walk through and create, uh, figure out what are your core values at the very least. And that's applicable to companies as well. Now, it's not my full process, but what we do, and this talks through that, is that you first have to have just the core value itself. What's the word or the phrase that that you do, like trust and tr you know trust and integrity or, or honesty and integrity? Right. Very popular, by the way. And but people don't know what to do with uh, with uh, honesty and integrity because that means something to me and it means something to Mark Madison and it means somebody to uh, Jane, you know, Austin and means somebody to 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 Dick Van Arsdale. It means something different to everybody. So what we do is we identify those core values for the organization. But then we do is we create what we call an action statement that basically says, well, what do you do with that when you're acting on that core value? What are you actually doing? And 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 at DR Washcheck, my company that I ultimately sold, uh, honesty integrity. The action statement mark was just always do the right thing. And if you think right. to yourself, always do the right thing. Not may not be what Mark put down for that same core value, but to us, it was when you're thinking about just always do the right thing. That's how you act on that core value. And then there's one more piece that I put in, and that is a narrative. The narrative is something that. I created for each core value, and we I teach that uh, to the home, the business owners, is that that's basically examples of when that core value is being acted on. Um, it's examples. So now, if you read the core value, look at the action statement, which is basically all that's on the wall, by the way, and then you actually look at the uh, the the narrative, which we read, by the way, once a month, just like the example you gave, Mark. Once a month, we would go through a core value. We would read the core value, the action statement. We would, in our company meetings, we would then, I would read or somebody would read the narrative, which is about a paragraph with examples. And then we would say, does anybody have examples from this last month of this particular core value that you want to share? And then people would throw their hand. Oh yeah, I saw Bob doing honesty, integrity the other day. And, and this is what it looked like. And, you know, right. he deserves kudos for that. And and uh, and I've even had say uh, they've even said clients 
uh, would represent that. And I was like, that's why we work with those people because they align with that core value. And it reinforces and, it all. It's a kind of a virtuous ascent. It, absolutely. And, and that's what, by the way, after about five, three or four company meetings and the core values being so inter, inter, interlaced and intertwined with everything we do, that's where the people that don't align say, I, I just don't feel comfortable here. And they find the door. And we don't have to even make that happen. It's a natural process. Birds of a feather. 100%. So you had mentioned your blog. I call it an e-zine. I think yours is terrific. So how does someone subscribe to your uh, blog slash e-zine and get That's the free downloads? Uh, and and thank you by the way for for uh, for that. Um, I enjoy reading your e-zine too, uh, Mark. So compliments back your direction. And uh, that ends our mutual uh, admiration <laughs> society meeting for the day. Uh, they can get Mark uh, on DarrenWashcheck.com. It's pretty simple. Although spelling my 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 first and last name D A R A N and Washcheck, it'll be I'm sure in your in your header or whatever. But DarrenWashcheck.com. And if you go, you'll see there's a, the resources is at the top the, the menu. And then there's also one for my blog. And I do a podcast uh, as well um, that uh, you can you can take a look at. So that's where you can do that. And if you go to contact, I have signups everywhere throughout my site. But if you go to um, uh, contact, uh, there's the sign up page, uh, that link at the top called contact. There's a sign up there, Mark. And let me just reiterate, uh, because some people might be in their car driving or or saying, he said that way too fast. I'm going to spell it D-A-R-A-N, next word, W-A-S-T-C-H-A-K. Dot com. Dot com. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you. And you do, I, I, re I really like the time and energy you invest in, in your easy, and I think you do a terrific job. I, uh, I spend a lot of time doing that, but I find it, even though, uh, and Mark, you're, you're you, as a as an author yourself, you'll appreciate this comment that I I was I read several times in the span of about two weeks from uh, authors. They said, um, "I don't love writing. I love having written." <laughs> you yes. know, and they were talking about books. I don't know if you identify with that perfectly, but I know I do. Um, and so well, I, I write for myself first. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. my first reader. Yep. But I love, I do love uh, having spent a day on writing an article, getting information out, boiling it down, taking subjects that are maybe data intensive or or whatever, and trying to shape it in a way that small business owners can relate to and they can benefit from. So I I will I will usually go back and reread an article that I've written, um, you know, a day or two later, and then. Uh, always feel really pretty uh, pretty good about it and and proud that I keep putting more and more material out there. So it's a lot of work, but I love sharing the information that I get to share and I get excited about it. And I, I'm doing what I love to do. I sold my business, Mark, which was uh, which was you know draining to me. Um, even even though I had revamped it to a place where I wanted it to be, um, I built it so that I could exit. And uh, that's exactly what I ultimately took advantage of. But I love what I'm doing now even more, being able to share with other small business owners what I did over the course of two years to exit, uh, what right. I did to create a company so that I could exit. And that was one, a company that didn't need me anymore. 
Mm. My employees basically came to me and said, Darren, we want to buy you out. I forgot to add another phrase in there, Mark, which was, we don't need you anymore. <laughs> we don't well, need the, you anymore. The ultimate, when I yeah. hear uh, a client say, you know, I went on vacation for three weeks and we made more money and the company did better while I was gone. Absolutely. And that's to part me, of that's what, the ultimate. It is. And that's as opposed of, to the, the guy saying, you know, I haven't had a vacation in five years. That's the saddest thing I ever heard. I know. And you want to you want to help them because it doesn't have to be that way. Right. And that's not something you want to say to anyone in public. It's not a it's not a badge. It's not a badge of honor. No, no, it isn't. And on my website, um, there is uh, a, a link at the top called freedom because freedom focused is really what I teach is how businesses can become freedom focused. And there's a there's a link. It's just a word that says freedom. And if somebody were to hit to go to that link on my page and hit freedom, I talk about personal freedom and professional freedom. On the professional freedom side, I talk about um, whether or not a business owner is truly free. And I have the hierarchy of freedom of business owners. It's a pyramid, Mark. And at the bottom is struggle. That's where all small business owners start. It's where some and many small business owners never leave. <laughs> they stay at struggle the whole time. Right. But but the next level up is called experience. After, uh, inevitably, a business owner is going to gain enough experience where they're going to learn how to get some people on board so they're not doing everything. Uh, they're, they've learned how to get cash flow a little bit more evened out. Um, but those people still own a job like like the like the struggle people do. They left left a job, they started their own company, and they basically still just own a job, either at the first level of struggle or the next level up experienced. And you mentioned you mentioned your father. Uh, was he a mentor for you? You know, my father was a mentor, but not as a business owner, because in reality, Mark, we learn from those that do well and those that don't do well, don't we? Right. Warnings my and dad, examples. Yeah. My dad was not a good businessman. He was, in fact, a very bad businessman. It wasn't a bad businessman. He just wasn't a good businessman. Um, I did mention my father. I mentioned that he was the creator of Flexall 454. And, and the, the full story on that is that the um, Flexall formula was a horse liniment um, by a, a, a horse trainer uh, for thoroughbreds up in uh, Colorado. His name was Trapper Travellini. I'll never forget that name. Yeah. And and a couple of doctors in Phoenix went up to tra Trapper Travellini and said, "Hey, you've got this formula that you you this ointment, this salve that you put on the joints of the thoroughbreds to reduce swelling really quickly, so they're ready to go for training and whatnot. We want we want to buy that formula from you." So they did, and they brought it down to Phoenix, and they went through the yellow pages back in the day when there was still yellow pages, Mark, that we both remember certainly, and they found my dad in the in the in the yellow pages for doing product formulation. They took this iodine solution to my dad and said, can you turn this into something that humans can use that won't stain their clothes because we want to, we want to sell this. And my dad actually said, well, you know what, I'll do this. I'll create this for you, but I want a piece of the pie. So my dad was pretty good at that. And he said, I want a piece of the pie. I think he ended up getting like 10% of the new company that they put together. And then he was going to, he created the formula, he manufactured it, he came up with the name Flexol 454. But at the end of the day, um, the agreement that he had in place wasn't a very good one, Mark. They took advantage of him. Mm. Uh, at the end of the day, 
Um, they sold the product. My dad got pennies. It was unfortunately, um, my dad was a wonderful guy in the, in the laboratory. He could, you know, he's the mad chemist. You go into his, his room where he's got all the bottles and the beakers on the shelf and all these, you know, concoctions that have got scroll, skull and crossbones on them in the shelf. And he mix all this stuff like a mad scientist and he could create products like for Flexol and many other, many other products, but he belonged like so many other business owners, they're great at painting a house, mowing a lawn. You know, they're great at selling a product. They're great at um, manufacturing something, but they're not very good at business. Yeah, he and was so they, Bowerman at Nike who invented the waffle. Exactly. He wasn't Phil Knight. No, it's exactly right. And so my dad, like so many other small business owners, um, he did he did have uh, and provide a very wonderful life for me and my brothers and my sisters and my mom. So I have no complaints there. Uh, but he could have he could have done financially a lot better. Um, and he certainly worked himself to death. So I, I got that habit from him. But what I am doing is focusing a lot more on spending time with my daughters, doing what I want to do um, right. and, and spending time doing that kind of a thing. Last question, because we're almost out of time. Uh, what books on your nightstand right now? Great, great question, because I actually wanted to ask if you had read it yet, Mark, because you've read so much. The Four Hour Work Week, The uh, Four Hour Work Week by oh, yeah. Ferris. Yeah, read I read it? that when it first came out. Sure. Awesome. And that is a book that and that's a book that that I'm in the middle of now that I'm going to be writing an article on in probably about a month when I'm finished with it. Uh, sharing that with my audience. Um, but I think it plays a central, clearly, Mark, you know the book well, it plays a central role in freedom because that's what Ferris is talking about. How do we have more freedom in our life and less of our business dictating uh, the work that we do, not just as business owners, but even employees, the work do, uh, dictating for us? Well, his story about becoming the martial artist just blew me away. You know, the the <laughs> study and the, and the research and the workout that he did. Yeah. It's definitely worth reading. Uh, last question. Uh, is there a book in you and can we expect that going forward? Um, I'm in the process working with uh, Mark, thanks to you, um, your editor, uh, Jason Liller, uh, working with Jason. I am working on a book first off for all of my codes training work that I do with the home builders and the code officials. Got that it. book will be out later this year, probably not of interest to business minded people. That's more technical. Um, and then a book on freedom focused next year in 2023. That is my goal, Mark. Perfect. Well, we'll have you back on once that book's out. So uh, I would love to do that. Thank we you. We can hear about it. And you know, you do you know Patrick Headington and Yuma? Oh, very well. I didn't know you knew Patrick. He's who introduced me to Sharon. Don't oh, we got a we got a debrief on that. Actually, Pat and I are good friends through some other stuff, but I met him through the code training. Absolutely. No He's the big other part surprise. of my well, yeah. listen, thank you so much for making the time. Again, Darren, D-A-R-A-N, Washtack, W-A-S-T-C-H-A-K. Go to his website, download his materials, subscribe to his e-zine, and thanks again, my friend. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it. As a leader in advanced HVC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness. From electric cars to electric water heaters to electric heating and cooling, the future is electric. The demand for all of our electric heat pumps have never been greater. 
So there's no better time to join our community of premier contractors and grow your business. Here are some of the reasons why partnering with Mitsubishi Electric is a great idea. Mitsubishi is the number one selling heat pump in America and has been the industry leader for over 35 years. Mitsubishi offers local technical support and has a network of excellent distributors. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. To find out more, contact MitsubishiComfort.com. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.